0: Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. We'll take our text from the first 17 verses, I don't know that we'll get through the whole message tonight, but we certainly want to get started. We've uh, a thought on our heart that's been pressing for a day or two now, and appreciate the Lord's Spirit. Colossians chapter number 3, we'll begin reading at verse number 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members. Which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked some time, when ye lived in them. But now ye also. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Whether there is ne- Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any have a quarrel against, you, against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Father, open your word to our hearts tonight. as We open our hearts to your word. We trust that your spirit, God, will give unction to speak it, we have no abilities and simply ask for your help. Prepare our hearts, God, to receive it and respond. And Lord, in all of this, may it bring glory to you and deliverance to us. But We ask it as we believe, praying in Jesus' name, amen. The, the book of Colossians is certainly filled with treasure from the beginning to the end. But there is a a pressing on my heart tonight to remind us of the importance of our constant spiritual duties. Uh, Duty is one of those things that most try to avoid because duty infers responsibility, accountability. It infers that what's been shared with us to do as our duty is something that if we don't do it, we're in sin. And so I want to challenge us tonight that uh, I believe it important for us to live in the Spirit. I was reading in uh, Romans chapter number 8, and once again it just amazes me, the treasure that's in the 8th chapter of Romans. But the 13th verse alone I want to read to us. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. I want us to think tonight about our constant spiritual duties. And I want to leave it with us tonight in a way I hope that is memorable because uh, I have even in my note here, uh, I I was going to title the message our daily spiritual duty, but the more, I, the more I dove into this passage of Scripture, the more I realized that this isn't something you do once a day. This is something that is a continuous process within us every day. You say every day, can I not take a day off? No, not if you're going to live in the Spirit. If you're going to walk in the Spirit, you can't take a day off. Because your flesh never takes a day off. Your flesh never stops being fleshly. It is always contrary to the Spirit. It doesn't mind the things of God. It's not subject, according to the Apostle Paul, to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The flesh simply, if we don't bring it under control, is out of control. And that's what happens. You don't. it's sinner and saint alike. You live in the flesh, you'll die. That's what he said in the book of Romans. There's a great concept here for the people of God. You say, well, why? And that's where we'll start tonight. And I'm gonna do my best to leave this in a memorable way. I really want you to get this because I want to get this too. I believe it important because we live in a day where people need to see the good work and give God glory. It was the very thing that Jesus told them to do those things that he had given them. He said, do the works that those that see it might give God glory. And there's a great opportunity for us in such a dark world to be great light. The darker it gets, the, the more impactful that our light becomes. But I can assure you I'm, I'm afraid that there's a great number of folks today who have let their little light grow so dim that it just becomes insignificant in this world. And I don't want to be that way. God knows my heart. I, I don't get it right as much as I need to, but I want to. There is something in my soul that desires to please Him to get it right, to be able to come before the throne of grace with boldness instead of a shame and a constant need for repentance. And yet the flesh is always present. And even though as we hear the apostles say the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, it gives us no excuse. Right? We have no excuse. We can't come to Christ and simply say, well, my flesh got me again. Or I failed to the flesh again. Or oh, that we can see that we have a spiritual responsibility constantly to bring ourselves into line to the Word of God and in alignment with it. I want to start tonight in just simply saying why this is important. Why this is important? Verse number one: If ye then be risen with Christ. Let me stop there just for a moment and just share with you that what he's saying is in the present tense. He say, "Well, I ain't died yet, so I can't be risen yet." No, that's not what he said. He said, "You are risen." If you've been born again, it's as good as checked off. I don't have to wait to declare to you that I am the risen of Jesus Christ. I am risen because he rose again. Because his promises are unchangeable. They are immutable. They are unto those that believe him certainties that we can count on. They are the very promises, friend, that uh, if if they stopped being his word tonight, then surely the sun itself would stop shining. That kind of promise. And he said, if ye then be risen with Christ, let me ask you tonight as we just stop right here, are you risen with Christ tonight? (laughs) Are you born again? Do you know in your heart that you're saved? I mean, truly, do you know without a doubt that your name's been written in the Lamb's book? Have you felt the transforming power of his presence as it come in and set up a mold in your heart? Do you know that you've passed from death unto life because you loved a brother? Do you know that the old man has passed away and behold, all things have become new? Are you sure that you've been saved? Amen. Because let me make this clear, you'll not get anything else I say if you've not been born again. Because you cannot do these duties in the flesh. By the way, they're not fleshly duties. They're spiritual. These are our constant spiritual duties. And there's a great reason that we must do them. Number one, he said, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. I tell you, people today want to check that box as if that one is an easy one. But let me tell you right now that if your affection is more prone to the things of this world and the happenings of this world and the cares of this life and what somebody may do or what somebody may feel or what somebody may say or what you might covet or seek, if it is of this world, friend, then you've got your affections in the wrong place. The only way for us to accomplish the spiritual responsibilities we have for Christ is to set our affections on things that are above. I'm talking about the spiritual things. Those things that are not of this earth, they're not meant for the flesh to understand. They're not meant for the flesh to uh, hunger or thirst for. These are the things that the souls of the saved long for those things that are of above, those things that the Apostle Paul would say, those things that are with Christ, those things. We need to set our affection on things above. Verse number three, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen. You say, preacher, what What really is my motivation to focus on those things that are above? May I say to you today, if you've been born again, your fleshly life is already dead. Died to sin one day but was resurrected in the newness of life through the spirit of a holy God that come and set up a in my heart. I'm not sure about you but I haven't got over that yet. I'm saved. I'm saved and I'm grateful tonight that there's something that lives inside of me that the devil cannot change. There needs to be a spiritual affection, a longing for those things that are spiritual and not earthly. Those things that occupy most of our time, brother, are the things that are fleshly in nature. What robs us and steals us of those precious moments of spiritual growth is because we allow the flesh to rule and not the spirit. We walk in the flesh instead of the spirit and yet... We find in the word of God that those that are the people of God truly, we are dead to the flesh. How can we walk therein any longer? It ought to be easy then, right? It ought to be easy. If I'm dead to the flesh, this is a, this is a simple one. I'll just wake up. Everybody will see Christ in me every moment of the day, Right? My flesh has not give up. I've been saved a long time, and my flesh has not give up. I don't believe it's even started giving up. There is no good thing in my flesh, Paul said. Nothing. I've nothing to boast of. I am going as best I can to try to set my affections on things that are above. That means I've got to take them off this world if that's what they're on currently. I've got to recognize the importance of setting my affections on things that are unseen, things that are spiritual, things that do not apply specifically to the flesh but apply to the inner man, the heart, our constant spiritual duties. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Simply stated, you shouldn't be living in the flesh because you're dead to it. Verse number four. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now he's gone from making a statement about me being risen present tense with Christ Being dead to the flesh and hid in Christ with God. And now he's saying that there is even a promise that is an assurity that when Christ returns at his at at the rapture when that occurs I will come with him in his glory now he's making a statement again that uh, has not occurred but he is speaking of it in present tense as if it's already done I want you to know that everything in Christ is yes and it is amen there is not a question about my eternity there is not a question about my future there is not a question about my God or his ability to set me and keep me free i want you to know today we have every reason to do our spiritual duty every day <laughs> i'm risen with christ i'm hid in christ and i will be with christ in his glory when he returns now, i don't know about you but that's enough right there doesn't need to be any more reason for me to get up every morning and say lord this is your day and I want to do the very best I can to make a difference for you. I want I want to not be insignificant again, but I want to make a difference in this life. I want somebody to see Christ in me. I want to be a blessing to someone else. And I want to please you in all that I do. You say, preacher? do you really mean all? I believe that's what he means here. I believe he means every part of our life ought to be subject to the rule and the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe every thought, every imagination, everything that our heart would dwell upon ought to be filtered through. A conscience that is filled with an affection on things that are spiritual and not earthly that will allow him to do what he wants to do in our life. Ah, oh, this is going to be a lot harder than you think it is. Hang on. But I have a constant responsibility every day to do these spiritual things. To do these spiritual things, you say, what things? Number one, I'm going to give them all three to you at first, and then we're going to try to get through them. If we don't, we'll quit and we'll start again later. But number one, you're going to have to put off some things. Number two, you're going to have to put on some things. And number three, you're going to have to let some things. That's the formula, and I hope you'll not forget that part of it. You put off, put on, and let. You say, preacher, I need to get this right. I've got my spiritual thing, my, my spiritual life matters. If I am Christ, and Christ is in me, and I am to be Christ to others, then I can't let down on Monday. Amen. When you wake up on Thursday morning, that's not an off day because you just got out of a church meeting the night before. You know, somebody thinks of it that way. They think just because they went to church last night that Thursday's an off day or maybe Monday's an off day or Monday's a day I don't need to read my Bible. Monday's a day I don't need to pray as much. I prayed up yesterday. A little dab will do me. I want you to know it don't work that way when it comes to God. It's just like the manna that shows up every morning. You need the spiritual food from God. You'll need it tomorrow just as much as you need it today, if not more. I want you to know we have a constant spiritual duty to be right with God and then to make that happen we're going to have to put off some things put on some things and then let some things and if I wake up tomorrow and I, I ask him all day long to help me remember this help me to put it off to put it on and to let him work in my life Number one We're going to start With the put off And that starts in number Verse number five And you'll say Well it doesn't say that I'm going to I'm going to Suggest tonight That the put off That the things We got to put off Begins with Mortifying Some things You say What does it mean To mortify something It means to make it dead Make it dead I'm going to keep that In that category Because I tell you Some of that ungodly stuff That's trying to hang around Your flesh What it wants is for you to live in those things. It wants you to live allowing those temptations to to be a problem in your life. And may I say tonight that if you'll just mortify the deeds of the flesh, that means to bring them to Calvary and crucify them. You say, preacher, well, it seems I get up the next day and they're right back. Yeah, that's the way it works with the flesh. That's why it's a constant working. It's not something you can do once and it's forever done. You'll have to continually mortify the deeds of the flesh. Of the flesh, if you're to bring about spiritual change and spiritual growth in your life, you're going to have to wake up every day conscious of the fact that there are some things that need to die in your flesh. Let's look at them. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. He specifically is going to speak concerning these members now I want you to know that the next few things that he gives are sexual impurities they are things that are that are tied directly to the lust of the flesh and you say preacher that's a little bit straight let me be straight with you the problem with the culture we live in today is that it is rampant concerning sex it is rampant concerning the immorality the ungodly and the perverted it is rampant concerning those things that are illegal and in the sight of almighty God sex was given to man as a gift and it's meant for a gift and within the bounds of the marriage it is a gift but brother when you step outside of that you've gone to a bad place you've went to a place friend that is wicked and ungodly and immoral and is against the word of God in every way and I'll tell you how he said to deal with it he said kill it I'll tell you right now, when it comes to the sexual sins, he said, don't just put them off. He said, crucify them don't just put them off don't just check the box and say well I got that under control he said no he said what you need to do is to make them dead in your life today you say preacher how in the world am I supposed to control the lust of the flesh may I say to you today that the apostle Paul gives us clear indication that we can and we should bring the flesh under subjection each and every day there is no excuse for living in sexual sin None. As a child of God today, we need to wake up every morning recognizing that we are a sexual being and that there are temptations and that there is a devil and he wants you to fall for it. Amen. And in recognizing those things, we also recognize a responsibility not just to deal with them, but to deal with them severely. mortify. therefore, Make dead in your life those sexual perversions, impurities. Don't tell me they're not there if you're human and you're breathing. They're possible. And you're living in a society that is absolutely out of control. There has never been a time in the history of mankind that it has been as easy, or as dangerous, to become involved or addicted to a sexual perversion as worse as it's ever been. You better kill that stuff. You say, "Kill what?" He said, "Number one, fornication. Any sex outside of the marriage is wrong. It is. It is wrong. It is sin." It is an abomination in the eyes of God and we often look over that one and and try to pull in sexual homosexuality and transgenderism and all of that other perversion let me tell you something according to God the fornication is perversion as well it is unallowed it is not to be a part of a Christian's life we have clear instruction in the word of God and if we're going to get it right he said it's going to start by coming out of the gate every day with an awareness that my soul is in danger because my body is a sexual being and I need to mortify those deeds. I need to deal with them. Fornication, number one. Number two, he said mortify or clean or or kill uncleanness. It can be defined as something that is lewd and filthy. I believe pornography falls into that category. If there is any form of pornography in your life, you need to kill that and quickly. It is a sin, it is a perversion, and it is a danger that is rampant in our country today. And if ever there was a time I need to speak clearly as your pastor, it's today. You need to kill this stuff. You need to deal with it and make sure that you have taken it to Calvary and that each and every day you wake up with the acknowledgement, the awareness that your flesh is capable of any ungodly thing and allow the Holy Spirit to help you to kill out some of the things that need to be killed. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, meaning vile desires, evil, lust, or concupiscence. All of those four things are sexual perversions and impurities. And according to the Apostle Paul, if we are to do our spiritual cleansing, our spiritual duty each and every day, and I'm telling you it's not a daily work, but it is a constant work in our life then we're going to have to uh, be aware that every day that we wake up there there is a responsibility for me to go before God I know why the psalmist began to write Lord I'm going to seek you early I want you to know my heart when the sun comes up when my eyes are open I need to take before God my flesh and say help me deal with these things that are impure mortify them he said mortify therefore the deeds of the flesh, you need to deal with that stuff if it's in your house, if it's part of your life. You need to crucify it. That means kill it dead. It don't move anymore. And when you wake up to the to do it again. Do it again because your flesh will not have given up. Kill it again. I'm still talking about putting off. In order to ever put something on, you've got to take something off. Right, You just can't keep putting stuff on over stuff you've already got on in order for you to really get on what you ought to get on. You're going to have to take off some of these things. And that's where the apostle started. He wants you and I, amen, to be spiritual lights in this world that have an effect on the ungodly and those that need to know who Jesus Christ is. Listen, you need to be born again first. But when you're saved, there is a constant spiritual duty. That needs to be performed in our lives each and every day. Say, preacher, that's too much for me to do every day. I'm telling you right now, it's because we don't do it that we fall into sin. It's because we're not aware. It's because we're not being conscious of those things that are the upset. Those things that are 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 able to upset our lives and to flip our card over just because we have not done the work. Yes, it's discipline. Yes, it's a requirement. Yes, it is something we need to be aware of. You can't just hide it in a closet or stick it under the rug. It won't go away. You've got to kill it. You know, if you don't kill the roach, it keeps coming back. He moves on. You need to kill covetousness. Covetousness basically is the desire for more of the world. Covetousness is the love of the world, it is the idolatry of man's heart to long for the things of this world. Oh, my goodness we got some things that we need to deal with, I believe. Huh. Within themselves, there's a whole bunch of stuff that ain't sin, but we've made them sin because they've become so important in our lives that we can't, we can't even leave them. Uh, 25 years ago, you couldn't even imagine making such a statement. That one's phone would be so important that they could never leave it. Do anybody wonder what we did without them? I'm old enough to remember. I did all right. Amen. I ain't got one now. And I don't need it in here, actually. I got my Bible right here. That's the one I like, by the way. I like this one. I got my, I got a Bible on my phone, too. But I got this and with me when I'm in here. What is it about stuff that causes it to become a God to us? What is it about those things in our lives that suddenly become so important that they take the place of going to God's house, of reading God's word? of praying fervently and affectionately for a world that is dying lost without him. Amen. Those three and up are, are a reason for us to turn something off, to give something up, to lay something down. As a matter of fact, the apostle said, it's such a problem, I recommend you just kill it altogether. You need to mortify this. You need to be honest enough to see that there are things in your life that are taking, stealing time from you. They are taking those opportunities when could be spiritual growth. They're simply dead and unmoving because we've allowed covetousness to be a part of our lives. Say, preacher, my TV ain't a problem. Hallelujah. That's great. I just hope you're being honest about that. Right? Do you spend more time in front of it than you do the Bible? Probably. My phone ain't a problem. Good. Right? any itself, it ain't sinful. Ain't nothing wrong with the phone. Ain't nothing wrong with the TV. But at the point it becomes more important or more prevalent or more relevant even than the Word of God, I would suggest that that has converted from something that was all right to something that is not all right because now there is a covetousness of your heart to desire it over those things that are spiritual. This don't miss anybody, right? I'm not, I'm not fooling myself thinking there's good, perfect people sitting here. Everybody's got to deal with this same problem. We all got to figure out how we're going to do this. Because the truth is, I ain't going to grow. I ain't going to get no better until I recognize what's taking most of my time. Right. What it is that I... See, <laughs> so I started not saying nothing about covetousness and the Holy Spirit said, huh? No, you ain't skipping that one. No, as a matter of fact, he said, that's probably the biggest problem. It's because we've allowed so many other things that we consider to be important. They're important too To the flesh. Let's be honest. They're important to the flesh. That's what we're trying to tune in. That's what we're trying to appease. That's what we're trying to, to make happy or satisfy. That is what we're trying to do. And that, brother, is covetousness. It is a longing of your heart for the things of this world instead of the things of God. And the apostle said, you better kill that stuff. You better, you better stomp that stuff out. And he said, by the way, you'll have to do it again tomorrow because all of it resurrects itself. When you wake up the next day, right back. Same desire, right? I get that way. After a Sunday, well, that's the hardest one for me, right? I preach three times on a Sunday, and I'm war plumb out. And when I wake up on Monday, my brain says, well, you did enough yesterday, I bet you prayed fifty times yesterday, don't pray none today. Well you surely got a little extra to keep you till Tuesday anyway. You don't need to go back up there to that church. You don't need to read your Bible today. You read it you read it over and over something. Let me tell you something. That ain't nothing but my flesh. That is all that is. That is my flesh telling me the same thing it has been telling me all my life that I, that I can't do it or I, I need to lay down. I need to give up. I need to quit. I need to sit down. You're too tired. You ain't got time. Let me tell you something. It's the covetousness that is the wickedness of the flesh today. The apostle Paul was bold enough through the Holy Spirit to say, hey, you need to kill some of that out. If you're going to complete the spiritual duty, the spiritual works, that are necessary in our lives, you're going to, have to, you're going to have to mortify some of this stuff. Oh, Lord, I, I, want to, I want to at least finish put off tonight. And we'll try to get the other two next time. I hope that's an encouragement to everybody. <laughs> but let's talk about, we got to kill some stuff. Yes, Amen, hey that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty severe when you talk about it. But that's what the apostle said in Romans 8, and it's what he's saying again here, that there are some things that you can't allow to be a part of your life, that you have to deal with these in a very severe and a very quick and strict way. Don't allow sexual sin in your life in any form. I promise you, it'll take you down. There's too many examples of that. It'll take you down. And covetousness, let's kill that out. Verse number six, for which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of a disobedient. Not only is it important for me to grow spiritually, I have got to mortify some things in my life. But he said, listen to me. He said, for for there is a judgment coming. (laughs) I don't know if anybody but me fears the judgment of God. You say, the judgment of God? Well, uh, to be honest, I'm saved, and I know I'm going to get there because of Christ, but there's still a judgment for me. There is still a judgment where I will stand before Christ. And I will give an account according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 of everything I've done, what did do he say? In the flesh. Whether it was good or evil, I'm going to be judged for that. He ain't trying to figure out if I'm saved. No, if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're saved, I promise you. You wouldn't be there if you wasn't. That's not what's in question. My salvation's not it. but there is a day of judgment coming for me. And you know what he's going to judge me? He's going to judge me for as much as I ain't done. Is what I have done. Lord, help me. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. That's the ungodly. Verse number 7, in the which you also walked sometime right in your past in your former life before you got saved you know what I'm talking about you lived according to the lust of your flesh you did whatever you wanted to do you did whatever felt right you followed whatever whim you were after and brother that's how you made it through a day but what he's saying is all oh, that's in the past you've come to Christ you're a new creature the old things are passed away and behold all things have become new can't live that way. I got to crucify that. I still live in a flesh. Amen. That if untended and unchecked is capable of doing anything. But there is something in me, according to the Word of God, that is greater than He that's in the world my flesh. The Spirit of God is greater. And I believe He expects us each day to get up and to do the hard thing, and that is to kill out those things that are dangerous sins and certainly affect. Our spiritual walk. All right. Verse number 8. We'll finish right here. Verse number 8 through 11. 8 through 9. He said, but now you also put off these things. All right. Put off, put on, and let. That's what, we're going, that's what we're going to try to remember here. Put off, put on, and let. And part of putting it off is you've got to kill some stuff first. You Got to kill that stuff out. Then... He said, you need to put off some things. All right? He said, here's some things you've been wearing or here's some things that you can wake up wearing. Number one, anger. The Bible does allow anger. But he said, to sin not. This anger is one that involves sin. This is an anger that is unchecked by the Spirit of God. Of a holy God, <laughs> you ever put your anger in front of God and watched it disappear? I've done that before. You ever been so mad at somebody you pinch your head off, and you take it before God, and before you know it, you wanting to pinch your own head off, right? Because once you get in the sight of Him and you recognize what they did to you, ain't nothing from what you did to Him. Your anger suddenly dissipates. And he said, there is something that you need to put off and you're going to have to put it off tomorrow the same way you put it off today. You're going to have to deal with the sinful anger that is present in your flesh. You're going to have to put it off. You know what putting something off is? It is a conscious decision to deal with it, right? If I, if I was going to take off a shirt or a coat, I make up my mind... First, to do it. And then what obeys my mind are the members of my flesh that begin to take off that coat. And then I lay it aside. Listen, he said for us to actually accomplish the spiritual work that needs to be done. Listen, you can't get the spiritual work done until you deal with the flesh. Oh, goodness, the good part of this message is when we get to put on and when we get to let, right? That's the exciting part of this. But you know you can't be putting on no stuff until you've done killed some stuff out and put off the other. And wasn't it, wasn't it precious of the Spirit of God to give some of those for us? He said, number one, you need, you need when you get up tomorrow, right? It's easy to be mad when you get up. I've done it. You've been up two seconds and already upset. 3 a.m. You get up and you already mad. You gotta put that off. That's not easy. Right? Because because your flesh says you are justified in being upset. You have you have every right to be angry. You should be angry. You, by the way, you wouldn't even be normal if you wasn't angry. <laughs> And yet, the Word of God says, in order for us to get spiritually where we need to be, see, we ain't even got to where we can put something on. Because we still got to deal with getting the stuff off. He said, number one, you need to put off anger. Because I can tell you right now, there nothing that ever comes of anger. Not of, nothing that's good, right? There's no spiritual benefit for anger, not this kind. Right? This is a violent anger. This this is an anger that, that is seething, that is burning inside us, that is borderline to hate. you got to put that off. you got to put that off. You say, preacher, I don't know if I can just put that off. You might have to pray about that. Huh? You say, I've been wondering how I'm supposed to put this off. You won't do this without prayer. No, as a matter of fact... I don't know anybody in the building that's just so spiritually minded that they can just handle this on their own. But I've got an advocate. I'm so... I've got an advocate that knew I was mad before I ever got there. And he's told me to come to him. And he said if I'd confess it, he'd forgive me. I can put it off... Yes, you can put it off. But you're gonna to have to take it to God in prayer. Number one, let's put off anger. Number two, wrath. Now, now, wrath is a step above anger, right? Wrath is what happens after you've done let anger go too far. Wrath is when you actually put your hands on somebody. Right? Wrath is when you've done done something that you can't take back. Right? When it's just anger. You could put that off and wrath wouldn't have happened. But you let anger, you let it hang on you, hang on your frame, hang on your flesh, and next thing you know, you done took a swing at somebody. Or you done said something from that old, forked tongue, and you've let it roll off your lips and you can't get it back now. It's already turned violent. You better put that off. You better put that wrath off and it'll take God. Number two, number three, malice. Malice. Malice is the intent of hate. Now we're seeing how deadly these are now, aren't we? Right? When it was just malice, that was one of them words we don't use often. But when we see the definition of it, we see a progression. We let anger go and it turns to wrath and wrath turns violent and then it turns to malice and that is an intent to hate. An intent to do evil that has no place in the life of a Christian. By the way, do you hear me? That has no place in the life of a Christian. I'll tell you right now. If, if your answer to settling something is to take them out behind the building, you need to get right with God. You hear me? I don't care who you are. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care. I don't care. You know why? Because He don't care. He said anger, wrath, and malice. No, He said put it off. You don't need to be wearing any of those, they have no place. And by the way, as long as you're wearing them, you can't put on nothing. And oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for the stuff he gives us to put on. Right? Glory to God that I'm putting off all. I ain't walking out naked. No. I am putting off the bad, and he's gave me some good. Amen. He gave me some stuff that I can put on. He gave me some stuff that I don't even have to do. anything. I just let it. I tell you right, you won't let nothing until you've dealt with the sin that's in your life. You say, preacher, when do I do with sin? When your eyeballs open, that's when you start dealing with sin. You mortify the deeds of your flesh, and then you put off these things, anger, wrath, malice. He said blasphemy. Blasphemy, that's speaking evil. And then he goes further about our filthy tongue. Maybe not filthy, but our uncontrollable tongue, our dangerous tongue. And he says, filthy communication out of your mouth. Right? Now this is where those vulgar words would come in. Let me say something. There is no place in the child of God for filthy communication. Not even when you smash your finger. I wasn't looking at you on purpose. I'm just (laughs) I'm just saying. Let me tell you something. Some of us are flippant about that stuff. You need you need to get serious about it. Because I tell you right now it ain't of God. Uh Uh-uh, it ain't of God. You never heard it come out of the lips of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, he don't condone it, nor does he approve of it. Twice right here, he said something you need to put off is blasphemy, evil speaking. And by the way, filthy communication should never come out of the mouth of a child of God. You know why it comes out of your mouth? Because it's in you. That's got to get put off. Right? You say, well, I don't never say them. I don't ever say them. And I thought it a thousand times, but I ain't saying it. The only reason your mouth speaks is because it's in your heart. And if it's in your heart, you better put that off. Right? He is telling you right out of the gate, when you get up in the morning, he said, you need to take that off. That has no part of your life. It should not be what dictates how you communicate with anybody after you've dealt with anger and malice and or wrath and malice. You need to deal with with the vulgarities or the communication, the filthy communication, the blasphemy. All of these things, we can can go to him in prayer and we can take them off. Now, when you get up tomorrow, somehow or another, you you have put them back on, right? Because you are very apt. As long as you're in the flesh, they come right back. But you can put them off. And you may inter- you may have a problem through the day, right? You ever had a day, that just went bad on you. Started good and it went bad. And then you get in a bad mood. And then suddenly, so, you know, it, it, the world is against me. And then suddenly, what thoughts are filling your head? They ain't of God. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to stop. And you're going to have to put that off. You're going to have to say, Lord, I have, Done gone too far with this. I need to put this off. It is sinful. I need to get this off so I can get that other back on. Blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. And then he said this, and I'm going to start with verse nine, because verse number ten, we see the words put on. All right? So I'm going to stop right here. Come on, Vicky, if you want. Come on, and get a song. It says, lie not one to another. Now, you wouldn't think he'd have to tell us not to lie. But you know as well as I do that your flesh is still prone to stretch the truth. As a matter of fact, sometimes he'd rather lie than it would tell the truth. There are times, amen, you don't, have to, you don't have to raise your hand, but there are times that you're saying, why did I say that? I could have just said the truth. What, where did that come from? Your flesh, your flesh has never been good. It never will be good. Let me tell you something. That's why people that are deceived that have not been born again but think they have, that's the most miserable condition a person, a human, can be in. You know why? Because they're trying to do all this stuff they can't do by the flesh. And the flesh can't get it done. But if you ever get born again, the Holy Spirit of God comes in and that's your helper. Right? That's your helper. You say, Pastor, you... You've given us enough that I'll need to pray for about 45 minutes just to get it all off. No, it don't take that long. Listen, it don't take that long. Uh, really. All we got to do is be honest for one good minute. we got to be honest and say, Lord, I know this flesh is capable of stuff that has no part of my life, and I don't want it there. And I know I'm capable of it, and I need you to help me. I'm going to ask you right now, in one I'm going to ask you to do it all in one movement. Would you help me take it all off? I I want to lay it all down. Because I'd like to put on that stuff that this world needs to see. But you ain't going to put on anything until you have put off the flesh. Oh, I'm glad he gave us Colossians chapter 3. My goodness, what good instruction this is for the body, for the, for the people of God, that we can just recognize that we're all in the same boat together. right? I, you don't have to look at me like, well, he's really got problems. <laughs> Everybody's the same way. We was born with the sin nature of Adam, and that one don't leave until this body gives up the ghost. But one day, I was born again. And the part on the inside that was dead now lives by the power of Christ. And according to what I, I preached first in the first four verses, we are dead yet hid in Christ with God. I'm a winner either way. I, I am an overcomer. Because I have believed in Jesus Christ. We're going to sing. But we don't need to lie to one another. We don't need to lie. We, don't, we, we need to take all this off. Be, be aware that we... Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Right, there it is. That's just one big movement. I, I don't have to deal with all of them individually... No, the apostle said in verse number nine. He said, "Look, just just put off the the whole old man, with all his deeds. Let's just put all of it off. Let's just get honest with God. And you'll have to do that more than once, probably. You're going to have to stay spiritually acute to what's going on in your life. As we sing tonight, if you'll stand, I don't know your heart, but I know this: we're all in danger." Of this kind of sin. And that's why the Holy Spirit wants us to deal with it. Right? Because once you deal with it, that's half the battle. It's when you won't deal with it that it's able to sneak and move around in your life and then produce fruit out of you that shouldn't be there. If you need the Lord tonight, won't you come?